that uh, that's better. <laughs> that sound different. Um, that are to do with um, us having an encounter with God, um, because it's one thing to believe and um, sort of know what the scriptures say and have a very sincere belief, but um, you know, an encounter with God. Uh, it can change so much in a short time, can't it? And it's not a once-for-all thing. Um, it's, uh, it's just amazing, isn't it, when we think about it, that you know, we can have an encounter with the living God. And uh, perhaps you know, it starts to become a bit commonplace, um, you know, because we're with Christians every week and uh, you know, hear different things and read different testimonies. But actually, it's, it's quite incredible, isn't it? that um, uh, we can have an encounter with the living God and uh, how important that is. So we're going to look at some verses um, from Exodus chapter 3. And these are familiar verses uh, to do with Moses. I don't know whether you get them up on the screen. Do you, do you get them up? But uh, We're going to follow the verses through, so I'm not going to be darting here and there. So we're going to start at, uh, at verse 1. So this is quite an exceptional example, but as we'll see, um, there's something in this for all of us. Um, we'll look at the background a, a little bit later, but I'm just going to start by reading the verses. So it's Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, 
I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So we'll just stop there for now. So the, um, the circumstances obviously are, are, are very striking and unique and I don't think any of us uh, you know, expect to encounter a burning bush, although who, who knows, he might be surprised. But um, uh, an encounter with God, uh, that is something that we should look for uh, and be seeking. And you can't twist God's arm to make something like this happen. But, um, you know, we should have that expectation, I think, that we do have that encounter with the living God. And let's just think um, a little bit about Moses' uh, situation. We'll look at some verses from chapter 2 in a bit. But Moses had, at this point, made a dreadful mistake. He'd made the wrong judgments. Uh, He'd end up killing someone. Uh, He was on the run. And although his life had sort of stabilized he'd managed to find uh you know a family in a different land that had taken him in and uh to some extent he had a a normal sort of life if you can say it that way he had uh, that family surrounding and uh, he had a wife and uh, a son and he had work to do he was a shepherd so to some extent things had normalized but they they weren't as they should be as we'll we'll see later on and uh, I suppose Moses just thought, this is my lot now. You know, I've gone wrong. This has happened. Uh, something's worked out and I'm sort of getting by. Um, but I don't think, reading in between the lines a bit, I don't think he really knew of a way out of that. You know, he, if he went back, he'd be in trouble. And what else would he do? And this family were the only people that he had. Uh, so that was a situation. And uh, this... Uh, occurrence here was completely unplanned as far as Moses was concerned but of course it wasn't unplanned as far as God was concerned because God saw it all and God does see it all and he sees all that's going on in us and our situations and if there's disappointment or things haven't worked out or whatever it is God sees it and as we've seen here and we'll look at later he sees the bigger picture as well so God sees it all doesn't he He sees us and he sees the bigger picture and um, in this case uh, Moses was surprised by this but God wasn't surprised uh, because God planned it and uh, let's just have a look at some of the uh, the words that the Lord says so Moses as we know is drawn to this strange sight of a bush on fire but it doesn't burn up and uh, uh, that was a way that the Lord attracted Moses over and God called to him, Moses, Moses, in verse 4. Moses said, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And uh, an encounter with God always is, if you like, on holy ground, isn't it? You know, if we think we've had an encounter with God and there's something sort of light and a bit sort of flippant and... Sometimes in, you know, in the churches or things we, we might see or witness, it's like there's something a bit casual about meeting with God. But I don't think when God meets with someone, there is that sort of light, sort of casual feeling. It's a serious thing, isn't it? Because God is a holy God and we can't meet God unless we come to him on his terms. And it's, it's, it's holy ground. God is a holy God. 
we can't uh, approach him and take it lightly. It's a serious thing, isn't it? And Moses obviously realized that um, here. And uh, uh, verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Maybe he was a bit ashamed, I don't know, because of how he'd made a mess of his life, but he was afraid. And there's, there's that reverence, isn't there, that, that's always there when we, we really have that encounter with God. And it was certainly here for, for Moses. He had that godly fear. And then the Lord uh, says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. God sees the bigger picture. Um, I don't know what Moses was expecting him to say, but God let him know that he was looking at a bigger picture. Lots of people in bondage, in slavery. God saw it. He was concerned about it. And uh, all Moses really had to offer was his failure, wasn't it? That, uh, you know, at some point he'd got involved in a localised conflict between uh, an Egyptian and a Hebrew and made a complete mess of it. But God saw the bigger picture. And um, uh, he sees with us what's going on in us, and he sees the bigger picture. And an encounter, when we encounter God, it can bring the two things together. You know, God can be speaking to us and yet see a bigger picture and know how to get us involved in that, as he did with Moses here. And uh, he was saying to Moses, uh, you've got a part in my purposes, uh, Moses. And uh, to Moses' question in verse 11, no, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God just says, I will be with you. And that's an interesting answer, isn't it? Uh, when Moses, aware of his own weakness and limitations and his smallness compared to what God wants him to get involved in, and God just says, I will be with you. I wonder if those words strengthen and encourage us because I think God says things like this to encourage all of us. I will be with you. The challenge is bigger than you are, but I will be with you. And then a bit later on, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, uh, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they say, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? So can we identify with Moses here? He's just looking at his, his shortfall and his limitation and the what-ifs. And uh, I can certainly identify with that. I don't know if, if you can. Um, but to that question of Moses, God says, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so it's a, it's a simple event, isn't it? It's a simple meeting with God, but it's... It's tremendously powerful, and you can just tell that Moses' whole outlook and a whole way of looking at things and his whole view of what he should be doing has, has just sort of switched around like that. Because that, that's how many of us have had that sort of situation? I'm not talking about a burning bush now, but um, we've been in such and such a situation. Um, maybe we haven't know what to do long term, maybe discouragement, questions. And then we have a meeting with God and it, it just switches it round, and we don't know all the answers, but we've met with the living God and he has the answers. And we think, well, I know it's, it's going to be okay. I've met with God 
uh, on this. I've never had uh, a burning bush, well, I say I haven't had a burning bush experience, I have, but I've never seen a burning bush, and I'll, I'll tell you what my experience uh, is, and it happened about, I would think about 15 years ago, when I went to spring harvest, and uh, I don't know if that's familiar, ha hands up those who've been to spring harvest, have any of you, yeah, some of you have been to spring harvest, so it's uh, a big get-together of Christians from lots of different churches and denominations, and the one I went to was at um, Butlin's site in Skegness. I don't know if it's still Butlin's or not, but um, the whole site is taken over. And um, uh, we went with a group from our church, and our, you know, obviously our, our family was there. Uh, and it's a busy place, so, so you get there, and you're unpacking. There's something, you know, something on the go all the time. Busyness, lots of people, phenomenal amount of choice of what you can do, which is just overwhelming. You get, you get given what amounts to a, a book when you get there. I don't know if it's still on paper, if it's online. But there are so many different seminars and groups and streams and teachings and talks. And, and I just felt totally overwhelmed uh, by this. And um, at the time, I wasn't really having a crisis, but you know, sometimes we just go through a period of our lives and we just feel a bit sort of vulnerable and a bit shaky almost. You know, I don't know if you've ever been through times like that and um, so there I was feeling like that in the middle of all this activity and all these choices and all these people and all this noise and I, th I sort of come to the conclusion fairly on that this was just something that I was going to survive you know I was just going to get through and uh, I thought I'll come at the end of the week and I know that there'll be lots of things I wish I'd gone to but I'm, I'm just going to try and get through um, as best I can. So, so that's how I, I started off. And uh, the centre of Butlin's site has what they call a skyline centre. It's their big centre with a big roof. And uh, one of the things they had there was uh, uh, an ex well, so you call it an exhibition um, of Christian ministry openings. Uh, I think Christian Vocations, a group, organised it. So if anyone was thinking... I'm interested in a job or in a, uh, getting involved in Christian ministry. Uh, what's on offer? There was just masses on offer um, that, that might interest people. And, um, to, but to get into this um, sort of exhibition pathway, there was a booth, and this is really what I'm, I'm coming to talk about. So you would go into uh, what was a, a cloth booth, and it was black cloth, and uh, I would think it was probably about uh, six foot by six foot, something like that. You just went in one at a time. And um, so if you can imagine this busy centre bustling with noise, and, but you went into that booth and you could hear things, but you were sort of closed off. It's like very, very sort of private. And at one end of the booth, there was a large screen and it had a, a, a video of flames and so you just looked at the, the, the sort of flames on the screen. And then the words that you heard were the words that we looked at to do with Moses and the burning bush. And um, so it was being played and you were sort of looking at your own sort of version of a, of a burning bush while the words played. And uh, it's, it's difficult to put into words just what a profound change that had because I went from feeling a bit unsettled and a bit overwhelmed and... Uh, and it was, it was one of those 
it's just God and me moments. You know, there's God and there's me, and I've connected. And it's as though everything else just sort of receded to the margins a bit. And um, the, the issues which I was a bit unsettled about and everything else that's going on just seem to have as their answer, I'm God. You know, it's holy ground when you meet me. I am who I am. I'm God. And uh, so it's difficult to put into words just what, what a, a powerful effect that had on me. So I read about Moses like we all do and think that's an extraordinary situation. But I think, well, I, yes, I've had my own sort of burning bush encounter. And uh, it was just a tremendous thing. A lot of anxiety went and a lot of concerns and what ifs just seemed to evaporate because I thought, well, it's just me and God and, and it's okay, you know. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And um, so, I, you know, I'm very thankful for the person who designed that little booth because it, it did a lot for me. But um, we touch God and we, although we've got what ifs and all the, all the stuff that's going on, but we, we, we've contacted the one who knows it all and we're okay and he's with us. And um, so it happened in uh, Moses' case. Now, if we just go back into chapter 2, and we just look at a little bit of the background that led up to this. I'm sure many of us are are very familiar with this in chapter 2. But uh, Moses had a very interesting birth and start in life uh, that we know about. But we'll just pick it up um, in verse 11. When Moses had grown up, so he was a young man, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labour. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Okay, so it had just gone horribly wrong, hadn't it? Moses uh, tried to do what he thought best and had just messed up big time and it was, it was just a life changing error and I don't know if any of us have ever made an error on that scale but uh, God sees it and he can do something about it um, so uh, Moses there he was living uh, in the land of Midian he, he ran away and uh, in a situation he met daughters of a local priest and he helped them And because he helped them, uh, the priest was kind to him. And he said, you must be part of my family. And as was the way of things, there was a daughter for Moses uh, to marry. And he took him in and he obviously had a job tending sheep. So in some ways, uh, you know, it worked out fairly well, given how badly it had gone. Uh, He had some sort of family life. Um, it could have been worse, he could have been uh, killed, he could have been on the run all his life, 
so in some ways it wasn't too bad. But we get a, a little bit of um, of an insight where we um, we read about uh, Moses and his wife having a son in verse 22. Zipporah, his wife, gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. And um, it just gives us an insight that actually Moses, he wasn't happy and wasn't settled, even though it might have seemed that you know life was ticking over. And that can be true of us, can't it? True of people we meet. It seems as though life is just ticking over, uh, you know, nothing to complain about. But the inside story can be quite different. The inside story. And um, this was in a culture where people were named with significance. And that's still the, the case with some cultures around the world. I mean, we, in our culture, people just seem to sort of pick names. Sometimes they just seem made up names, don't they? You hear some names and you think, well, you've just made that up. Um, but uh, other cultures... They look for meaning in a name. I know we do. Some of us, we know we've taken Bible names, haven't we, for our children. Um, but uh, I know someone whose, whose name means pain because they were, uh, you know, it was a painful labor. Um, and, um, but Moses named uh, his son, you know, an alien, alien in a, in a, in a, in a foreign land. And, uh, you know, if that had been my son, my son's called James, as it happens. But if I'd have named him, uh, I don't fit in. So if I'd just given him that name, I don't fit in because our family didn't fit in. And so when James went to school, you know, what's your name? I don't fit in. You think that's, that's quite a profound thing, isn't it? It's for people to have a, a name that's to do with what's going on in the lives of the parents or, or in that child. And it, it's, it gives a, a depth of significance that we don't easily sort of understand uh, in our culture. And the thought came to me, I mean, supposing, this isn't in the scripture, it's just me sort of thinking this, but supposing, um, not just thinking of names of people, supposing we were in a culture where we gave a name to the month that we've just had. So we've just come to the end of April. And uh, I suppose it was our culture that we, we just gave a name to it. So uh, it could be uh, success, or it could be joy, uh, or it could be disappointment, or frustration, or letdown. So supposing, you know, one of my friends, say a Christian friend, had badly let me down. And, uh, you know, we're just sort of talking and imagining this sort of cultural setting and uh uh and you said to me uh, oh you know what, what have you called this month roy uh and i've said i've called it betrayal and you think gosh you know um it, it, as it happens we tend to sort of work at the opposite end of the spectrum so uh you know say if i meet one ma and i say uh, hi one ma how are you doing he goes okay you know that, that's more likely isn't it you know you're doing all right yeah i'm doing fine and um the uh, depending on how well we know someone, but the true story can actually stay quite hidden, uh, can't it? But supposing you know we did give a name and and it just sort of came out and there it was. Uh, just this morning at church, actually, it just ties ties in with this um, 
was a similar example. We, uh, the, the, the pastor of my church, he put up an overhead of, of a beautiful uh, island or group of islands in the Pacific Ocean. Um, and there's like, there's, you know, the, you're a picture of the ideal sort of island, blue sea, sandy beaches, nice trees. You think, what, what a lovely place to visit. Uh, and they're called the Disappointment Islands, amazingly enough, because apparently when uh, sailors, Western sailors, years ago landed there, there wasn't any fresh water, and they were disappointed. So they called it the Disappointment Islands, um, which you wouldn't expect, would you? But um, there's something about the, the, the culture that Moses was in that the, the, the inside story just became public because of what they called people. And it wouldn't be a bad idea, you know, it would be a bad thing, really, if we had a culture where the inside story just came out because, you know, if, if you were talking to me and, and you said, oh, you know, what have you called this month, Roy? And I, and I, and I said, or oh, betrayal or letdown. You'd think, oh, right. You know, and, and then if you were inclined to, you, you know, you're a friend, you'd want to sort of get alongside me for whatever it was, wouldn't you? Um, but... Um, but the point is, cultural or not, God sees that inside story, doesn't he? He sees that inside story. And an encounter with him is where the, the inside story starts getting acted on and changed. So um, whatever's going on in you and what's going on in me, that encounter with God sort of touches that and it changes it and it brings a transformation and to look at the bigger picture, because part of what was happening here, it wasn't just about Moses. It was God who was uh, well aware of what was going on beyond and the bondage that many people were in, the slavery and their distress and the need for deliverance. God saw it all, and God knew how to, in this case, link up Moses with a solution for those people. And really, that's what God's all about with us as believers, isn't it? He, he wants us to have an encounter with him, but he, he's the one who can link up us, deal with our issues, and link us up with many other people being set free and delivered. That, that's really what the church on earth is about, in a sense, isn't it? We're here to worship God, but we're here to be part of his bigger plan, which, um, which he sees so God knew that Moses was alienated, and God knows our inside story. He knows the inside story of all of us, and he knew that that encounter uh, would, would bring about uh, a change. Just to very briefly refer, um, before we come to a close, uh, I think of another dramatic encounter which we won't look at in detail but we know that Paul who used to be called the the apostle Saul um, had a very dramatic conversion and Jesus spoke to him from heaven and then at some point um, uh, Paul was somehow tr translated into a, a heavenly realm and was shown things that he wouldn't normally have been and, and that was a life-changing encounter uh, for Paul um, in fact, just, let's just read out one verse from uh, Acts chapter 26 when Paul was talking about this experience and the encounter um, that he had uh, on the road to Damascus, that very, very famous encounter. Um, 
when Jesus, um, the presence of Jesus sort of knocked Saul to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen of me. And you think, well, okay, there's another highly dramatic encounter, which we wouldn't expect to have ourselves. And yet, really, the outcome which, uh, which God wants, I won't say it's ordinary, but it's as true for you and me as it was for, for Paul then. Uh, he said, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me or of what you know about me. And really that's part of what should be coming from our encounter with God, isn't it? That we've been appointed, I've been appointed, you've been appointed if you're a believer. We've been appointed as a servant and as a witness. So whatever questions we might have about what we should be doing or should we be changing what we're doing in life or you know, these, these questions that crop up, but this is a constant. We've been appointed, you've been appointed, I've been appointed as a servant and as a witness. And that should just be a constant and a regular thing in all of God's people. So as we think of Moses then, it's a highly individual situation. And yet really what was going on, I think there's something here for all of us, isn't there? Um, the encounter that deals with us and it, fits us into God's bigger purposes and so I just want to have a, a just a short time that each of us um, can have to reflect before we continue so let's um, let's just think about these words <clears throat> and the fact that God if we are his then we have had that encounter maybe we'll have other very special, unplanned encounters. But it should be part of our walk with God to seek that encounter with him on a regular basis, shouldn't it? The living God, the holy God. All Moses really could bring was his failure and just trying to make the best of it. But he met with God and everything changed. And God heard the cries of people who were desperate. And there are many people in this world who are desperately unhappy. And God knows how we can play a part in it, much beyond ourselves. But he has that part for each of us. And he says to us, I will be with you. And if we have other questions, he says, I am who I am. I am is sending you. 
So we do, Lord, just come to you. There's no one like you, Lord, who can meet with us and transform us and take people who um, have done their best and it really hasn't come to anything, but you take us and we're part of your purposes of deliverance and freedom. So we do pray for each other, Lord, that we'd have that renewed sense of who you are and how great you are, because we know that's the key, Lord. You know all our situations, you see everything. You see the needs around in Bradford, in the city, beyond. And we want to fit in with you, Lord. So encourage us, please, and strengthen us. Uh, give us that renewed vision that we need. Lord, we pray that we'd um, be stronger and more encouraged to go on our way with you into the coming week, Lord. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.